Hey guys, welcome to Overpressed. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And I'm Alex. We have Alex in studio. He's back from college, so he's going to be maybe on a few episodes Absolutely. throughout the summer just to, just to add another voice that isn't ours. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I wanted to touch base a little bit. This is our midweek episode, which gives us a little bit more of an opportunity to talk about culture and history. And, and uh, we're not going to talk about any news today. Nope. Um, I'd like to talk about RWB a little bit. And the reason I want to do this is I've had people... They constantly ask me about this because this is something that I've been kind of railing about for years. Can we say years? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So um, so RWB, some context for those if you've been living under a rock and don't sure. follow social media in the Porsche world. RWB stands for... You know what's funny for- is you say that is... If you don't follow social media, you would have no idea what an RWB is. Exactly. And, that's and you part probably of the, wouldn't care. That's yeah. part of the rant. Yeah, right? that's part of the rant. Anyway, continue. So RWB stands for Rau Welt Begriff, which is German for rough world concept. Right. And it's basically um, it, it, the JDM scene, Japanese domestic market. That's kind of the Japanese car culture scene. There came about this guy named Naki-san who took old Porsches and put like ridiculous wide bodies on them, these huge right. fiberglass over fenders. And it just caught everyone's attention when this first came out because he basically was building like these track rats. Right. Well, they, th- nobody was doing anything like this at the time. And it was uh, basically looks like a, an RSR, these body oh, kits yeah. just look but, like. But more extreme. It's almost. Sometimes. The first ones like rat rod. Yeah, the first ones weren't too extreme. They've gotten right. more extreme as time has gone on. Okay. And I'm guessing it's like maybe customer requests have made things go more extreme. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think he just really want. I've never talked to the guy, but I think he really wanted to just build cars that look track purposeful and then go out and beat the shit out of them with exactly. his buddies. Absolutely. That was the original concept, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and what I want to clarify is, yeah, this whole rough world concept. I mean, these were kind of ratty Porsches that he was using on the track. They right. were track rat cars. Yeah. But when everyone got wind of this and saw them and they saw the image and they wanted to... Well, let me... Let me okay, I'll, you... I'll, from there. That's where I'll I leave actually, it. I have I know... Chris's article up too. Okay. So I've... Yeah. So you've got some context. I've so basically context. what I did is I wrote an article a few years ago and I've updated it again. So this is kind of like a new version of the yep. article that I've written. And it's... Go ahead. I was just going to add one more thing before we delve into it. So people started uh, really liking this, and he started selling these body kits, basically, and he would travel the globe then for customers that wanted to commission people to take their Porsche, cut it up, and make it into one of these rough world RWB Porsche cars. Right, right. And it's it's gotten... It's jumped the shark in a way, and this is where Chris, your commentary comes in. Right. So I, you know, I've kind of been railing against this for a couple years, and I'm less... I'm less passionate about giving a shit about it as I as I used to be because I mm-hmm. honestly I just don't I don't care as much because as I've you know you know owned Porsches longer and longer they're really not like 80s Porsches are not that rare like mm-hmm. 80s and 90s Porsches are not incredibly rare they're they're everywhere there's no reason to take them off the road and stuff them into a garage somewhere and not use them mm-hmm. yeah but however my my problem comes in with the cultural appropriation of of yes. what he did originally. So what I'm going to do for you guys, is I'm going to read through my article and uh, hold the interruptions till I'm done, and then we can talk about what we'll you guys that. think of kind of an updated version. Yep. And two things before you get into that. First of all, this is our quick shift, as we mentioned, and our quick shift this week is brought to you by Further Performance, one of our great sponsors. They're a local Twin Cities-based automotive specialist here, and you know I say it every week, but they truly love European cars, and that's why they're in the business. They're enthusiasts, and that's who you want working on your car is someone who actually 
gives a damn about it. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, whether it's from maintenance, full restoration, or you're going to, you know, ask for a turnkey project build, you know, these are your guys. One uh, thing that they also will do is they'll really push the envelope for you. I remember when they had a Mark V R32 DSG car. And they pushed really hard to see how much performance you could squeeze out of that platform. Yeah. And watching them do that in conjunction with, I don't, I don't remember the name of the Tune software company, but they did all kinds APR of stuff. Or, it was APR United or, or something. Yeah, I, don't, I don't really UM, remember. United Motorsports. And uh, <laughs> that's my phone. Um, it's okay. Sorry, we'll just let it ding over there. <laughs> Nobody can hear that. Um, the, uh, they did, like DSG was like a really tough thing to deal with, with torque monitoring and stuff like that. Yeah. So w- they really, really push the envelope on those cars, and, and they, do, they do a great job, and they're willing to kind of go the extra mile to you know, deliver what the customer wants. So that's just my, that's my plug. Yeah, so you can find them at fptuned.com. That's F-P-T-U-N-E-D.com. Now, Chris, uh, before you, you launch right into it, yeah. I, I think we had a little context here. So this was an article you wrote during kind of the heyday of when... It was just like, it was fresh. So it, right. was, it was like a fresh wound. Yep, yeah. and everything you saw was about these RWB cars. And they're not quite as prevalent in all over the place as they used to be, but the concept still exists and it's still going with the filming of the of the cars and the would, like there definitely is all over the place cuz like when we were in california there was two on our local craigslist yeah just yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, that's that's yep. that's where we're at. So, so you wrote yeah. an article, it did it ever get picked up anywhere? It, nobody would pick it up. I had a uh I I guess I'll just say a Jalopnik wouldn't run it because they thought it was too negative and they wanted mm-hmm. to they wanted to maybe work with RWB owners in the future and maybe right. they thought that this would hurt that yeah. which seemed kind of anti-journalism to me. You know, you know, I was I was kind of upset about that especially with the moniker of drive free or die. You know, it seems like they would be a little more, you know, open to to uh, differing opinions. But they, okay. they just thought it was a little too negative. And uh, that was kind of the feeling I got from a few different places. Yeah. Is it just was too negative. And it was and it is negative and, from you. I mean, that's surprising. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, so nobody really wanted to pick it up. There was a couple places, a couple magazines that were like really thinking about it. Yeah. And but nobody really wanted to touch it just because I th- I think everybody was kind of scared because these cars were really, really popular. Yeah. Right. You know, Big they time. were. But what they didn't understand is that the subculture of the majority of the Porsche enthusiasts don't like them. Right. Correct. And, and, and it's not even because of like the the purity, like these purists saying, how dare you modify them like this? It's the fact that as you'll get into and our listeners will hear, it, it's kind of the the culture around them that seems so shallow. Yeah. 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 Correct. So I think That's with that, Alex well and I will hold our tongues okay. and we'll let you get into it. So I wrote this as um, kind of like an allegory tied in with an idiom is like a kind of a comparison Kind of a comparison piece. So it starts out with uh, with kind of like a comparison of what I think RWB is like. Um, it's called the uh, the Emperor Has No Clothes, an allegory for RWB ownership and automotive narcissism. <laughs> no one starts out like almost like a like a college thesis piece. Oh boy. Um, the Emperor's New Clothes is a Hans Christian Andersen story from the mid nineteenth century. It's a tale about how two textile makers created a wardrobe for an emperor. As a very wealthy man, the emperor spent an inordinate amount of time on clothing purely to impress others. He instructs his tailors to make him an amazing suit. They are explicit that the new wardrobe is invisible. They are explicit that the new wardrobe is invisible to those unfit for their positions. They're considered hopelessly stupid or incompetent. There are, of course, no clothes. His aides and advisors don't see the clothes. Society doesn't see the clothes. The emperor is naked, and no one has the courage to stand up to the situation before them, lest they be cast out as idiots or buffoons. At a town square get-together, eventually a child screams out and points at the emperor, screaming, but he isn't wearing anything at all. 
Predictably, the emperor stands taller and continues the broken charade with his aides holding up the train of the wardrobe that wasn't even there in the first place. The moral of the story is that anyone seeking fame and notoriety, especially in today's social media-fueled world, will do almost anything to attain it. The entire car culture today is filled with emperors. They parade naked on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and the likes of Drive Tribe. Likes pour in as if shot out of a meme cannon. The most obvious and blatant example of this idiom is RWB. I remember when I saw the Stella car pop up on my newsfeed long ago. I sat upright in my chair, elbows on the armrests, and leaned close to the monitor. I had no idea what I was looking at. It was clearly some sort of race car. There were no numbers, though, and it was painted flat black. It struck me with with absolute insistence through the glow of my monitor that I loved it. It was fresh, raw, and appeared purposeful. I didn't see much after that until it showed up on a popular automotive blog called Speed Hunters. The formula had been created. Slam plus camber plus rivet fenders, glue-on fenders, times rare car plus cool plus haters to the nth degree equals edgy. (laughs) It all started then for the rest of the world almost a decade ago ago, with those articles about a relatively unknown man, Akira Naki-san, they called him. He built cars in Kashiwa, Japan. Notably, he did it in a dingy, corrugated steel garage with a cracked green concrete floor. The man didn't speak much English in the videos about his builds. He smoked incredulously. He didn't care about what anyone else thought about what he was doing. It, was encapsulated, pre- it encapsulated precisely what most real enthusiasts wanted to be, building for himself and a few others with no one looking over his shoulder. He was a fucking hero. He freehanded fiberglass body kits on the last couple of generations of the air-cooled 911 chassis. He and his buddies would take, them out the, out the, take the cars out to Motorguy at the Idlers event and race them. Or used to. As far as I know, the cars were never meant to be masterpieces. They were never meant to be worshipped. They were meant to be moving, functioning representations of what Nakai envisioned. The car culture latched onto something very real. Nakai is, in fact, about as real as it gets. The man has 50 weight oil flowing through his veins more completely than almost any other Porsche enthusiast. The, quote, built because I felt like it and the hell it looks good theme flows through all of his early builds. We all sat back, looked at what Nakai was doing with sudden clarity of how uncool we were. It's what many of us wanted to be deep down, but when we look at our hands, they weren't anywhere near dirty enough. We all longed to be a builder, doing something unique and special. To do it and inspire people on one of the most legendary marks ever to roll off the assembly line is something special. But we can't be that, and we're not. We'll never be. None of us. Nakai-san is a -a once-in-a-generation guy. What he builds doesn't translate to cool when it's owned by anyone else. People are driving around in them like they're the emperor in their newer clothes. They stand there in $450,000 private garages with coated floors, nothing on the walls but overpriced clocks and some vintage posters they saw on eBay, watching this man, this legend, cut up a stock high-mile leaky 911 with a pneumatic saw. It's lauded to be a masterpiece, and it's not. It's nothing like what it looks like and rarely does anyone follow through to make it so. There are exceptions, but it's rare. There's too much spray paint, glue, panel bond, body screws, and lack of measurement. The $40,000 free-handed body kit sits on a 993 that has no door cards, wiring hanging out from under the dash, and seats that are falling apart. To me, many of the owners are just a naked guy dressed up in an RWB 911 that everyone is afraid to call out. Well, here I am. I'm calling you out. You did it to get a taste of the Nakisan Enigma. You're not him. You're not one of his hometown buddies. You're not hitting up Motoguy for the idler 12-hour race. You're rubbing your way out of parking lots in which your relatively stock 911 just let a puddle, left a puddle of oil in. You're running 14 or 15 second quarter mile times in a car with what you think is enough visual downforce with, <laughs> with what you think is enough visual downforce to depress other people's egos just by driving by. <laughs> These cars, and many like them, are the torn and faded jeans of the 911 world. 
The only way that look is cool is if you wore them out yourself. The phenomenon isn't unique to RWB, 9-11s, or even cars. Our society today is drowning in blatant narcissism. A glance at any of the social media platforms proves we're turning into a society looking ever outward for approval and clicks. You did it for fame. You did it for the attention. There are exceptions to everything, and I'm sure not all the owners are this way, but it's time for everyone to realize that many of the owners of these RWB, RWB cars are as naked as the day they were born. But as bad as this phenomenon is, whose fault is it? I got into car clubs and tuning around 20 years ago. Boy, almost maybe longer than that now. <laughs> At the time, there wasn't really social media to speak of. You had a local forum and a national forum. That's it. Still, the writing was on the wall. I remember making random posts on forums about my car or cars or articles I had shot and written for magazines. I kept a build thread documenting my progress with projects and update it regularly. In a way, it was the inception of the car culture we see on the internet now. The instant feedback in response to posting when compared to Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is slower, but still similar. Now we live in a society where everything you can do can be sent out like instant postcards instead of, hello from Aiden now, hitting the Nurburgring rig tomorrow, wish you were here, love, your best friend. <laughs> Being delivered on a postcard a week after you have already returned home, we're inundated with a low-key drivel. While the desire to keep up with the Joneses has always existed, it has now taken every possible methamphetamine derivative you can think of. Hmm. The check how my awesome my life is letter my family used to send me once a year is now in your face every single minute of every day. In the, in the car culture, it's every RWB or Liberty Walk you've ever seen. What happens to these cars after the likes start to fall off when everyone gets tired of seeing them? The quantity of videos and media surrounding these builds is a testament to how much these individuals and their fans care about showing everyone what they are doing. If I close my eyes, I feel like I'm being held down, eating rivets and panel bond for breakfast against my will. The modified car scene is being completely ruined by a bunch of assholes running personal PR firms from their Instagram and Facebook accounts. Real public re relation firms work for an individual or corporation that offers society a product or service. The personally infatuated posting selfies of themselves in their cars offer us, the consumer of their facade, absolutely nothing. They are all just trying to convince everyone that they are some conceptualized version of themselves. So what exactly is it that these people are trying to do? To keep the ruse going, they have to feed into other people's feeds. In order for the idealized version of oneself to come to fruition, you must also participate in the aggrandizement of others. I wonder if this is sustainable. Are we destined to see figures in the car scene we all look up to burn out when they oversaturate their audience? Must we all attempt to be as popular as possible? Is the constant bootlicking actual enthusiasm for the motoring, enthusiasm for the motoring industry, or is it something else? All this bitching and complaining is fruitless, I know, and I'm not asking a lot of questions. And I'm asking a lot of questions that I do not know the answer to. The entire concept is a runaway train. When I delete my Facebook, it feels like I completely disappear from the world. Aside from a, a few close friends, it's like you cease to exist. This is good for a while, but it definitely feels too disconnected for me. With the profession I'm in, it's a poor idea. I need to stay in touch with owners, publication, editors, and the community. But for the average cart, but for the average Joe car guy, maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing. Lean back in your chair and really consider this. Would people really be building all these RWB cars without 174 film crews and photographers there to fawn over the process? How many times do we need to say, see the same thing repeated over and over again? Would anyone care without being added to an exclusive group? How many of the people shoving air ride and wheels on their cars and posting about them would still do it without the circle jerk that comes with it? We should all go back to building cars for ourselves and going on a test drive just to get out there and do it. Rather than making sure we snap the latest flyby of our sweet new exhaust, how about taking the time to listen to it ourselves? There's nothing like the engine noise. There's nothing like engine noise. Wrapping back off the trees and concrete as you charge through the countryside or down an on-ramp. 
Next time, do it for yourself and leave the rest of the world out of it because unless you follow back, nobody cares anyway. We shall take some inspiration from Nakai and get back to our dingy garages and start building with our friends where no one can see us but ourselves. So that's kind of the article, but I have an update that I wrote for it. Do you want our commentary right now? Or not wait? yet. Not yet, because I have my yeah. own commentary on my commentary. This is like, this is, this is meta, as the kids would say. This yeah. is Commentary meta. on commentary. Absolutely. 100%. So Am I, wrote, I the kids? Yeah, <laughs> you are the kids. I wrote this article about three years ago. At the beginning of the RWB happening, I was kind of into it. It was neat. And as time was on, I started to freak out a little bit. I started calling people out. I had a lot of fuck yous thrown at me. To each their own, they said. Let it go, they said. As time has gone on and more and more cars have been ruined, people are starting to raise their eyebrows. People are crossing the line to my side and starting to see what's happening. Some RWBs have gone up for sale with little activity. It seemed for a moment that things may be slowing down, yet I've seen almost a resurgence. Social media is being hit with another new film. People are planting themselves in, the, in front of their phones to watch yet another dumpster fire filled with ego, fiberglass, spray paint, and panel bond. Panel bond. <laughs> it's beyond RWB at this point, but it's a convenient scapegoat. I realize this article makes me a hater, and I want to touch on that word before I continue. People love being hated. They think that means that they're doing something right. It's some sort of merit badge. Being counterculture is not an honorable thing in itself. Being hated does not immediately correlate to making something of yourself. When someone comments on what you're doing, you don't get to push the hater button and miraculously be vindicated for what you are doing. Shutting down discourse with the H word is nothing more than the easy way out. You're shutting down debate. Only those incapable of proper discussion will call criticism hate. The common claim is that there's jealousy or envy. It isn't. I don't want to be you. Trust me. The ability to cause uproar by doing something negative is easy. The person cutting up a 9-11 and laughing at the critics and hitting the haterade button is the same guy who at, who at 16 had a blow-up doll sticking out of his sunroof at H2O. I would, remiss, I would be remiss not to mention that horrifying mirror that just popped up recently as well. Are 9-11s just not as cool to cut up anymore? Too mundane? Not getting negative reactions we want? The envelope was being pushed off the planet at this point, and getting it is harder and harder to do. It's all boiled down to pushing the envelope just for its own ends. It's become a self-fulfilling prophecy of how best to piss off other enthusiasts. The Liberty Walk McLaren F1 they're making ought to be fantastic. <laughs> With all this said, contrast is important. Without differing styles and opinions, it would be a boring carscape. I'm glad RWB exists. It brings breadth to the industry. It's a sign in a way that things are still healthy. But that doesn't mean we can't critique the culture and car society from time to time. Whichever side you're on, there's breadth of content, contrast, and debate. This is good. So to celebrate, I, present a throw, I presented this throwback and a rewrite update to my original RWB rant. Go beyond the hater button, and I hope you enjoyed it. I'm not a hater. I'm an observer, a commentator, and you can choose to take all this for whatever it's worth. I encourage you all to take this beyond the rant. Take it as a call to go back to your garage and be inspired without influence and without trying to influence others. Well said, first of all. And I really like the... The commentary that you just said. Were about, you over there taking notes? Yeah, of course yeah, I was. No, all course. right. Uh, I, I really like the commentary about how, you know, when you say the haters, right? You bring up that thing where it's, yeah. you know, oh, well, well, you're just hating on my, my build or this and whatever else. And there's an interesting uh, article out there. I forget who it's by. It's one of Adam Carolla's guys that he always has on. Um, but he says that, you know, haters or this victim status, as he calls it, is kind of a shortcut to status. And people never wanted to be considered a victim before just recently. Right. And now when you're a victim, all of a sudden you have the status. Oh, feel bad for me. Well, that goes, right. that, yeah. that's in the whole political exactly. landscape too. Like if you're having a debate with somebody, they can immediately call you a racist. And when they call you a racist, it completely shuts down discourse because you have no 
standing if you are a racist. Right. So it completely de- delegitimizes and takes the foundation out of all of your arguments if you are called a racist. Yeah. And I feel like the hater thing is the exact same thing. Well, it's labeling. Yeah, you get called a hater, and because you're a hater, nothing you say matters because you're just a hater right. so right. it's 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 taking you off any kind of podium and then they don't have to listen to you rather than having decent discourse to begin with right good point yeah and i mean this we presented it it is very focused this article is about rwb and a commentary on it but really you're, you're touching on this kind of greater um status or you know state of society yeah, really the rwb thing is totally a latent effect of everything else that's going on uh, 100%. And you touched on it a little bit, like social media and like everyone's putting bags and wheels in their car. <laughs> I, looked right, yeah, I looked right at <laughs> you. Is me, but you I, I mean, at least I still drive my car hard. But uh, Well, yeah, and no, I think the difference, Alex, is you do it because that's actually what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I guess you could say these RDWB guys who are paying Nakisan to come over, like they obviously want that as well. But you question the motives, whether if, like you said, the bottom line, if they couldn't post that on Instagram, if they couldn't have those film crews giving them attention and that attention seeking and self-fulfilling Mm-hmm. would they be doing it i'm not sure all of the rw guys are like this no you know i, I, I really don't think is that black they are. i'm looking at an article right now that shows four of them at twin ring montegi and they're all racing and there's a pink one nicknamed the pink pig yeah you know it's absolutely smashed which and is the a, guy is there at the track trying to help him fix it right which is like really cool i was gonna say that's a throwback to the porsche race car 962 yeah. right right, right. Yep. um what i no, was gonna uh, 917 917k or whatever yeah, yeah. not yeah, right too Right. 962 is later. Yes. Anyways. Um, <laughs> way to ruin the train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. Son of a... No, well, I got to correct you on all your Porsche mistakes. You, otherwise, oh, okay. people get ahead of, get, it, get my head on a platter right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic because they don't go after me. They go after you. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> That's not fair. No, but I wanted to get back in a serious note. This whole keeping up with the Joneses mentality that you talked about, it's kind of very timely for me because just earlier today, I was like going on Facebook or something and I saw a friend of a friend in a photo and I was like, oh, I, I know that guy and I reached out, friended him and I go through and all of a sudden I realize... I'm I'm like envious. I'm feeling like down on myself because I see all the cool things this guy has and the adventure in his life looks so rosy and perfect. And I'm realizing that's that's not healthy, right? If that's I had, right. That's, that's human nature. At all. I know, but if I hadn't clicked on that and seen his perfect representation of his life as he shows it on social media and broadcasts it, I wouldn't feel worse about myself. Well, he right. didn't. He didn't post any pictures of him holding his wife's hair out of the toilet as she was vomiting the exactly. other night. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I mean. Oh. <laughs> Everyone has to realize that it is like a, a perfect representation that people are putting forth on Instagram. Right. It's yeah. your best self. Yeah. It's not true. It's not real. And so it is. It's, it's almost weird, like because I. I'll I'll post stories like my Instagram stories. Right. And if I can't think of something or if I fuck something up, I usually share that. Yeah. Which sometimes I regret it because then I get like an inbox full of like, well, you should have done this or you could have done that. Yeah. But I, I try to yeah. be relatively honest in my representation. Like, you try to be more real. You try to be more about, real. You told me about that. Like have more shame, like be okay with shame and what you do. Shame is great. And, and I was like, wow, that's really true. So, I mean, I've been posting stuff on my Instagram, same thing. I'm like, wow, I fucked this up or something like that. And everyone's like, yeah, you did. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's, but, uh, I, I wish more people would embrace that a little right. bit. People yeah. connect with being real as opposed to the Instagram model who only posts, you know, all of her great, you know, elaborate Assets? shots. 
assets. Mm-hmm. There you are as well. <laughs> and like you said, not not the yeah. bad. I did so, one of those. It was it was tricky because <laughs> you saw all of it, not yeah. just the positive. Yeah, but uh, getting back to RWB, it's it's pretty interesting when you watch you know the dozens of films that are out there right now. The first thing they do when Nakai finishes the car is he drives it, you know, right. with the camera car behind. And you look at the behind the scenes footage, and they're like, "Slow the fuck down," because he's just on it, like right. absolutely just on it. Just the shit out of their yeah, car. Yeah, and I don't he, even know if he's like legal to drive here, and he's just. <laughs> Sending it on the public roads, and I think that just shows you that the the original image of RWB is trying to break free from this from the chains of of what it's become, which I think is really frustrating. So that's you're saying that I don't kind think of he a, gives a shit. Well, no. he doesn't give a shit, but I mean that's him not. But that's a, a shit. metaphor, no. like him out, trying to outrun these camera cars, right? Exactly. It's, he doesn't care about the social presence. He, I don't think all. he does. He no. does maybe for the bottom line because he's making bank off this whole ordeal. Yeah, but yeah, I like that. That kind of. But um, if you think about it, I've never seen like a bunch of photos of him spending any of the money. I've never seen like a yeah. new house. I've never seen any of this stuff. Well, because he's not, yeah, a social media presence himself. Right. It's the company. Rawelt Begriff that is. Yeah, and he's talked about in the in the end of the most recent like RWB Dallas film, I think it is. Uh, he talks about like, oh yeah, I have a you know a wife and family and stuff like that. But he again, he never goes into oh you know what actually he did say he has like seven Porsches or something like that. Right. But the, he doesn't show any pictures of them or do anything like he that. He doesn't do he doesn't really other than going there and building cars. He doesn't participate in any of this. Yeah. Right. And well, it was pretty funny. Like when I met him when I was filming the local build here. And I would be like showing him, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this with the camera. And he just did not give a single shit. Like if he was going to walk to somewhere on the car where I was standing with the camera, he would like just push me out of the way. Basically. <laughs> like it was just he did not care. So I have this theory that he actually speaks really good English. He does. In the most recent video, he actually does. But, he, but I think he pretends not to because then yeah. he doesn't have to talk to a bunch of idiots. <laughs> oh, completely. You can tell like when I was filming with him. Uh, he just did not talk to any of us, like the film people. Like he just absolutely, pre- like the most I got out of him, I think, was thank, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and recently with like that RWB Dallas video, I mean, he's doing a whole interview segment, and it's perfectly understandable. And that was like a really positive experience. You can tell in the video for him. Sure. So I think it's kind of a how much he wants to care basis. Well, I I think a, a lot more of his is, is planned. And oh yeah, you know what I mean. This, for sure. He's. He think at first I think it was that he didn't give a shit. Yeah. But now it, it's the mystique of him as a personality, right? If right. he were be, if he's more he's, open about it, he's a he definition of as, enigma. He's right. an enigma. He wouldn't yep. be as enigmatic if he were to open up and give all these interviews That's and everything. A big else. word for this morning right now. <laughs> oh, it's, <laughs> it's not even this morning. I was going to oh say God. it's two p.m. Alex. Oh man, <laughs> college boy over here taking that nap. College so, boy. what are our takeaways, Chris? Um, well, I have my takeaways. I, I set them all. I just want people to just get back in the building for themselves. You know, when I used yeah. to work on my car, like my rabbit with my grandpa, I wasn't thinking about anybody else. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, oh, I wonder how I can make this thing a little bit faster. And he's like, oh, he's an old diesel mechanic. Okay. So he's like, oh, well, let's check the timing. And he taught me how to do diesel timing without using any tools, like any dial indicators, like how to check the bubble on the injectors and like figure out like how this is, you know, just these different things and how to turn up the fuel screw. And I'm just like learning these things and just wanted to do it. I just wanted to do it. And I find myself falling into this trap too. So I'm like, oh, absolutely. I'm like the journalist guy now and I have to like go meet people. And so I have like find myself trying to cultivate my Instagram account and get more followers and then promote myself. And Mm -hmm. so I'm, definitely guilty of it but like i said in the article i have this like this is my job yeah so it's a little bit different than just like you can 
maybe justify it or I can separate just, it. I, think I feel like I can justify it a little bit. A lot of right? the followers, you know, and stuff like that isn't necessarily trying to be like a like an asshole or anything like that of what you were talking about before. A lot of it's credibility because if you try to argue something on the internet of what you've actually done, no one cares if you don't have an online presence. So you have to keep that in check in order to actually have credibility with someone else. Sure. Like with me, I've been in I've been in a debate with someone about something that happened like on Docile with, you know, seeing cars at the Mazda Laguna Seca. And they're like, you only have 3,000 followers, boy. Place yourself. And I'm like, oh, I'm Jesus. like, dude, I was at Laguna Seca. You weren't. I know Why? this shit. Like, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because I only have, you know, 3,500 Instagram followers or something like that. I guess I'd play devil's advocate and say, why even get caught up in that discourse? Then? Exactly. You don't have a choice. But the thing is, I didn't start the argument. It was started because of that stuff right because so, mm-hmm. they knew they could pick that fight so it's like this it's this thing where you would do you just give up on it all and just say fuck all of it and maybe well, be well that's Mackay. that true but i was gonna say you mentioned that in the article too where you delete your facebook for a while or you something can't, you can't do and it and you just feel so like disconnected in yeah. a way yeah all right you guys have any closing thoughts before we uh shut that's her what down i was today? trying to get and i'm i'm, yeah. I'm trying to articulate thoughts it is maybe not to be so wrapped up in social media presence and what everyone else thinks and to do things for yourself. Here's the number one way you can do this. Just go on an adventure in your car like we talked about last week. There oh, you go. God, yeah. Just get in your car, go on an adventure, and just do something yeah. by yourself with a friend, whatever. Or let your phone die when you're working on your car so yeah, your friends you aren't like, dude, I want to come over and take <laughs> pictures of it. Because honestly, a lot of the people who have come over to like work, like see, quote unquote, work on my car with me are just there to take photos of it so they can post it on their media. It's weird. So it's like... Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed the, uh, the little throwback article expose. Yes. And, uh, and we'll be, uh, on location at cars and coffee this Saturday. If you have a Minnesota. car, you're there, you want to talk about us, you got something cool. Come find us. We'd love to see you. Absolutely. We'll have our booth there. Um, and we will be posting that live on Monday for next week. So we will catch you then. All right. Thanks for coming in, Alex. No problem. Thanks take, for having me. Take care guys. Yeah.